I think the players have done bloody well in the deal they struck. And despite people calling it a media beat-up, I think there was genuine angst between the clubs, the AFL and the players. Who is in charge of the spending decisions with that government loan? Is it the commission itself or is it the AFL executive? Who's the checks and balances here? Oh, Gillan McLaughlin's running the show. What do you do with your bosoms when you're running? Have you not ever heard of a sports bra? I mean, are you insane? Thank you for that tip. I just think Jury Haji on Netflix is one of the finest productions I have seen in a long time. I am celebrating the fact that I predict this will be the death of the horrible Mean Girls, Mean Boys reality TV shows. I think they're going to die. I think Corona will kill them. Don't Shoot the Messenger podcast with Caroline Wilson and Corey Perkin. Hi, everyone. Welcome to Don't Shoot the Messenger episode 121. It is the last week of March slash first week of April, whenever you're listening to this. And uh, Caro, my dear friend, is here with me. We are recording today, not in the studio, but back in the bookshop. Hi, Caro. Hey, Corrie. Good to see you. <laughs> hey, good to see you too. Um, good to see anyone at this point. <laughs> I was loving last week's setting of your house, You could house, be the actually. Boston Strangler and I'd be happy to see you. There's a bit of that happening. People are kind of leaping over their fence to get their book deliveries when I arrive in the car. They're so excited to see people. We have lots to discuss, lots of book talk and obviously lots of screen and uh, food as well. Uh, I have a wonderful new cookbook I want to talk about. Caro has a crush. There's a bit of grumpiness going on. But, of course, we can't start our show without our good old housekeeping and apologies, Caro. A bit of grumpiness going on. Are you kidding? Are you kidding? Look, it's, that- can I just say at the start of the podcast, before everybody sends us a message, we take the current situation terribly seriously and we are really, um, we wish everybody good health and we hope those who are not well are uh, taking care of themselves. But we, Carol and I have really thought about this long and hard and Carol, we're just a bit tired of this isolation, grumpiness. We're going to be happy today, aren't we? This is the whole point of doing podcasts. We are upbeat people and we are keeping upbeat through this horrible time, Corrie. But I am an April fool. I, like many others, fell for that email that went around. Even some very senior people I work with actually sent me this text or email or WhatsApp message from the unnamed hospital that tells you you can't drink cold drinks or they're not going to help you, they're going to be bad for you. And I was upset about my G&T. Thank you, Bernadette Fogarty, who sent us this lovely message. She generally loves us but points out I've been duped. I can still have cold drinks. I can have hot drinks. It makes absolutely no difference and I've been duped. But, Corrie, you need to apologise to Kenny Rogers fans around Australia. Why? Because I you, don't like him. I put him in the same bag as you Glenn. Don't, go on. Glenn, what's his name? Glenn Campbell. Glenn Surely. Galveston. And only, Willie Nelson. Only one of the most beautiful songs ever I'm written. I'm just not a country and western kind Where's of girl. Where's the playground, Susie? Mm, not me. No. Corrie, Island's in the Stream with well, Dolly Parton. Well, did we cop Parton. any abuse for this? I don't. I, yes. I have not been contacted by one Kenny Rogers fan, Caro. You Anna must know, the the, you must know all outraged. four of them in Australia. <laughs> outraged. And thank you, by the way, to Rachel Poststregner, who um, laughed and laughed when I mentioned um, playing Kenny Rogers' Ruby Don't Take Your Love to Town in the car, and she also loved hearing about the Yu Yanks trip. Why did our parents take us to the Yu Yanks? It was the most boring 
it was rocks. I think it reminded them of the Alps. It was like we used to go to the cuckoo in the Dandenongs. I remember my dad saying one one day as we're driving around and around and I'm car sick in the back. Oh, this is like Switzerland, doll. <laughs> Thank heavens we barely did the Dandenongs. Maybe it was because of the Geelong connection, but honestly... It was the most dreadful place and I drive past them now whenever I'm on that Geelong Road and I just think that's one place I never have to go again. Well, you don't. Although one day you might end up taking grandchildren there. Caro, I would like to acknowledge Bridget Blackshaw's lovely Instagram and I think she sums up how a lot of us feel when we get locked into our podcasts at the moment. Ladies, I was so grateful for your podcast today. I was feeling overwhelmed and anxious with all the uncertainty on the news and I took my little dog for a walk and listening to your podcast gave me comfort. I'm looking forward to next week. Well, that's lovely, Bridget. We are here for you. And also Daniel, who is a visiting medico, who has, he's from Adelaide. He's somehow got stuck in Geelong. I'm not sure why he's not allowed to cross the border and go back home, but he's working in Geelong. He contacted me the other day to order some books. Thank you very much, Daniel. And he said he has listened to every episode of this podcast from his home in Adelaide. Wow, which I think is pretty amazing, really. So that's hello, a really Daniel. Nice, yes, and that can was I really can nice, I just yeah. um, say hello to Smurfer on Instagram, who is laughing out loud about the whinging about homeschooling? Spare a thought for us kids who had teachers for parents. It was twenty four seven. Well, I think parents I'm talking to with kids at home are missing. Are, are sad. It's the school holidays because they are loving homeschooling and reckons the teachers have just got it down pat, as they should have, because they're still working and people who are paying private school fees are still paying them, etc. But it, it reminded me of people with um, parents with dud professions. My friend Nikki had a beautiful father, Vincenzo, who was a doctor. She was never allowed to take a day off. She could have had pneumonia and she would have been sent to school. Did People who had parents for doctors were the worst treated medically of any kids I know. <laughs> they were just told they were being hypochondriacs. It's like the shoemaker's children. They have holes in their shoes, isn't it, a bit, I suppose. Uh, Caro, there was a fair bit of love on uh, Instagram and other social media for your uh, beautiful pears and pear pattern plates and so on. Um, Culinarius on Insta, for example, said, oh, pear patterns. She was quite excited by the look of your uh, living room slash dining room last week. And Kirsten Fox on Facebook uh, said, thanks for the episode, Carol and Corey. It's so comforting to hear your voices and your humour in these difficult times. We are two weeks into school shutdown and social distancing in Ireland and the homeschooling is already tiresome. There you are. There's someone who doesn't agree with you, Cara. She says, I love hearing the news from home in Melbourne and you and your take on everything social, political and cultural. Stay safe, ladies, and thanks again for your great work. You too, Kirsten. You stay safe and all your family and lots of love to Ireland. I could tell you, Kirsten, there's not a lot happening here. There's only one story. And um, as I've said to you, Corrie, we don't have the answers. We don't know when anything's going to happen again. Will there be a winter fashion season? Will the Australian ballet ever get back on stage? Will the footy ever start again? Will Hawthorne win, win two for two in season 2020? I think the Hawks are uh, ruffling a few feathers behind the scenes <laughs> at the moment as the AFL rebuilds itself. More of that later. And Corrie, just quickly, no pair cup backdrop today. We're in a beautiful bookshop, which is owned by you. You are working around the clock, delivering books and more of that in GLTs but um, well done you and thank you to finally our great friend Linda, Linda Danvers who not only was inspired by my quince jelly recipe but unlike me who threw all the leftover quinces into the compost bin, she used it to make quince paste. 
Well, she sent us a photo and it looks like she's almost set up her own market, um, gut, farmer's market there, Caro. Oh, my, my bench looked like that oh, after did I... It? Yes, oh, it did it? Yes, it did, Corrie. Well, you did deliver some over and it was delicious. We had it with some cheese the other night. I'm not sure whether we were supposed to do it with that, but it was really yummy. Hey, Caro, uh, challenges. So we've, we're moving gently from March into April and just on the facials, which, of course, you abandoned that idea once <laughs> there was a bit more serious important things happening in the world but uh i was listening to my favorite podcast fortunately with fee and jane and they were talking about facials the other day in relation to they have a pact with each other that if one goes into a coma i don't know why i'm talking about this now (laughs) uh, but if one of them goes into a coma the other one it promises to come in and do the old mustache the facial the nails. That would be pretty handy eyebrows. at the moment, actually. <laughs> so, the, can we have that packed too? I don't need you to do my moustache, but I would kind of like you to make sure that I'm not looking too grim. Maybe I could have, you know, my hair colour done or something. Would you do that? Oh, yeah. <laughs> I, I, I prefer your mother's packed with all her friends, with her Mahjong group, that they wouldn't allow any of their children <laughs> to put them into, a, into an old people's home. Well, they did the right thing by Peg. She was in her own apartment till the end. Well, she was, although my brother Steve was threatening her, threatening to buy a caravan and stick her in, her, in his back garden. But, <laughs> <laughs> yes, look, it didn't come to that as, as uh, luck would have it. So what's your, uh, what's your April challenge? Well, first of all, just on the facials, I live with a 23-year-old and she has more beautiful scrubs and masks and moisturisers. So I'm doing a personal facial at a much reduced rate once a week. And April, I'm copying your daughter-in-law. I'm, st- I'm running again because my local gym group has been kicked out of our gym and we can't even work out in the park anymore. Or I don't think the Prime Minister really knew what he was saying when he spoke about workout groups last week, but um, I'm running. Because I- every day I'm doing a little bit further. Can I ask you a question that probably Kevin in Geelong and Daniel in Geelong and other people, other men folk might find a bit boring or maybe really interesting. What do you do with your bosoms when you're running? Have you not ever heard of a sports bra? I mean, are you insane? Jane, Don't you Jane you're not supposed to be here. <laughs> we're only supposed to have two. No, we're a business. We can have three people. Corrie, you wear a sports bra. No, you know, it's that's just, oh, okay, all right. It's not supposed to be good for all of your Go muscles. to Nicole Lingerie. In Glenferry Road, Malden. I tell you what, you should be on her payroll because the number of times you mentioned Nicole's lingerie shop. <laughs> well, it's a great shop. I don't know if they're open at the moment, but just get a sports bra and get the right one and then you're fine. I mean, I've, gee, there are people with bigger bosoms than you who run, for heaven's sake. What about you? What's your April challenge? Well, I have two cause, because I had the first one all nailed for the other day when we thought we were going to have a chat and then overnight, lo and behold, the wonderful cookbook that I am going to be talking about in a little bit more detail when we do books, arrived last night and I'm determined, look, I'm going to take one for the team, Caro. I'm going to cook six recipes I'm setting myself out of Falliston, which is the new book by Sammy Tamimi, who is Yote Motolenghi's former life partner and business partner. They're still great friends, but Sammy and... Have they uh, broken up? They haven't been together for ages. In fact, Yotam is married and has a child to another chap. But uh, Sammy and uh, Tara Wigley, who is a food writer and stylist uh, who works uh, with the Otterlingi gang, they have brought out this book. Really, it looks like another Otterlingi book, but the recipes are fantastic. I'll tell you about that later. So I'm going to cook six out of that. And the, but the original April challenge was going to be write my children's book. 
Okay. Have you got a name for that weird character yet? No. The uh, the badger, the the uh, the one I called the um the, the nemesis. Yep. I haven't decided. No. No, it's called the title of the book is called Mr. Kitten Goes to Town and I have been writing this for about 4 years, maybe 7, maybe 12 actually. And I have decided that in this isolating time I'm going to finish that goddamn book so there you go well Maybe we could have reading time with Corey on the podcast when you are on you are on <laughs> you've, now, you, you've declared it you've told everyone the title you'd better know, get it I'm done before someone else steals your idea so tell me Caro about the coronavirus and you and how it has altered your life the good the bad the contemplative and indeed the funny Oh, well, the, the good is that I'm spending a lot more time with my family, which at times is also the bad, <laughs> but mainly good. Um, I, I think I inherit this from my mother, and I was talking to Anna from the op shop about this. I love using up things. You know, I love throwing out that last little bit of moisturiser and knowing I've finished it or hand cream or... So now is the time for using up things. All those little sample packs that are at the back of your drawer, I'm using them up and I get such ridiculous, inexplicable enjoyment from doing so. You're not even a child of the depression. It's very odd. I can imagine Julia doing that and, of course, my mother was the same. She would put her finger... I remember she put her little finger in the cream bottle to get the very last out of the cream. I do that. I do that. Um, I'm also... I'm also... I was entering into my busiest time um, when this crisis state of emergency landed and... I've never been more appreciative of being busy and having a lot of work to do. I am so enjoying my job. I know it's a terrible time for football, but it's also a great time to be reporting on it because it's so interesting. And um, Yeah, I can imagine that. As someone said to me, well, it's all right for you because you never talked about what happened on the field anyway, so, you know, you're okay. Well, you can't um, really because you didn't play the game. It's often a bit oh, difficult. Oh, sorry, what a ridiculous <laughs> statement. Let's not go down that Don't, path. Well, you of all people, <laughs> hang your head in shame. The other thing, so I'm, I'm going to focus on the good and, look, um, I'm, I'm rejoicing in the simple things like everyone is. I am celebrating the fact that I predict this will be the death of the horrible mean girls, mean boys reality TV shows. I think they're going to die. I think Corona will kill them along, sadly, with some of the most wonderful people in the world. If, if this something good is going to come out of this in terms of popular culture, I think people will think more deeply about what they say about people and about intelligence and about just about general welfare and looking after people. So Do you remember famously on one of our book club retreats a couple of years ago, one of our gang, I think it was Kath, I'm not sure, said, we're all menopausal, let's go easy on one another. <laughs> and it seemed to be like a mantra for the weekend, but it actually... I don't remember that. I carried that with me for, I still do actually. It's a kind of a, it's, it's a bit more than don't sweat the small stuff. It's a bit... Let's just be a bit kinder to one another. Life is really too short and life can be overcomplicated. That's the thing I think that is the big take home for me. There are a few things that I have noticed and I'm not loving. No hugs or touches uh, with friends or certainly not, you know, I haven't seen grandchildren for ages. All those lovely people we know who are isolating and we aren't allowed to see them for anything and not touch them. It's, I'm really missing that. 
And it's very funny, but now coughing has become taboo. Have you noticed that? If you cough in public, people mm. jumped in fit from you. How are you should. has become the most loaded question of wow. the day. Exactly. And we're all news obsessed. So it reminds me a bit of when, for example, 9-11 happened or the Boxing Day tsunami in 2004 or those really big news moments when you just can't get enough news. I feel like I have been living in this state for the last three weeks. The news is on in the morning before I go to the shop. If I'm lucky and no one's in the shop, I'll put it on the laptop and see what's the latest. I can't wait to get home and watch, starting with your Brendan's Channel 7, right through to CNN at about 11 o'clock at night. I'm obsessed by the news of this. I'm, um, I'm enjoying visiting my mum on a daily basis or, you know... Um, you're not, you're not touching or being in the same No, no, room. no. I'm, I haven't been into her house for about three, over three weeks, but um, longer. So she's completely self-isolating? She's completely isolated. Oh, wow. And How's she, she going? Well, she's got her telephone. She's missing her bridge. She is, she's got a, a nice back garden, so I walk around the side and I sit in the back garden with coffee and she sits at the back door and we chat. And you shout. <laughs> and sometimes we, um, sometimes she puts out her secateurs and I take a few of her beautiful dahlias or ginger and plants. Are you taking, I know a lot of children are doing this with older parents, are you taking her meals? Um, she's give, yeah, both me and Clem are doing, doing a bit of shopping. She's got, I think because she's exercising less, she says she's eating less, hopefully not too much less. I did make a very nice shepherd's pie the other day. She said it was very nice, but I think it wasn't nearly as nice as hers. Um, yeah, of course we are. So, look, that, I mean, all those things, you, you know, you celebrate. I'm celebrating the fact I do still have a parent, but it's a terrifying time for anyone over 70 and particularly over 80. Well, I think what's terrifying is I know a few friends who are getting up to that stage. They're not just parents. <laughs> <laughs> Corrie, what about your quarantine hobbies? Well, there are a few. Well, I suppose... It's not so much my hobbies because I feel that I've just taken the bookshop home a bit. I feel like, I, like you, I'm still working really hard and we are doing home deliveries and everything, so I'm here in the shop every day. So I haven't really had a chance to do some hobbies. But I have heard of some particularly weird ones through the network. Someone I know decided they were just going to use this time to look up their genealogy. So they're doing the big ancestor dive, which is really kind of interesting. Um, someone else... Uh, said they're going to do bees and start beehives and someone else said they were going to build a chicken coop in anticipation of having their own chickens. Um, there is this uh, artist in Italy called Eduardo Monti who's been, like lots of most Italians, has been locked up for quite some time. And he said that he's having a lot of fun now with old-fashioned physical work around the house, cleaning up, organising and ironing his shirts which oh. apparently Eduardo has never done. So I'm looking, A lot of pantries have been sorted. Yes, and I have noticed that I have been doing a bit of ironing, which is odd. So, look, there are a few positives to come out of this. I do miss walking along the beach. I never really thought about that until it's taken away. And I'm also watching with interest, Caro, Mother Earth is turning our planet into a slightly healthier place. So, for example, the other day, uh, the factories in the Hubei province of China... They have been in lockdown, of course, and apparently the number of good quality air days increased by 21.5% in February, and they are expecting double that in March. Isn't that interesting? Will we actually pay heed and continue with all of that? I told you a bit just very briefly about my dreadful Bunnings moment, didn't I? 
Well, you did, but I think you should share it with the group because uh, maybe not a lot of people know this about Bunnings. Well, I was so happy to be able to still Puffin go to Bunnings. In fact, you can't get a sausage anymore. Well, no, I'm, I'm, the sausage I can do without. Um, it's oh, like an airport queue, ticker tape. <laughs> the only reason I And people away. were climbing under the ticker tape and pushing in front of me, which you know me. I do not like people pushing in front of me, but I didn't do anything. I waited for my sanitised trolley. Rush? What was the rush, Carol? Exactly. What, where were they going? Sanitizer as you go in, security guards... I didn't care about any of the... Once I knew they were out of methylated spirits, I just went straight to the gardening section. You were only allowed to... You know, actual seeds, only allowed three packs of seeds per person, so I did oh. that. And then I went, who, who goes to Bunnings and only buys a few things? If you're going to go, you, may, you walk out with ten times more than you planned. So I got to the plant section, the seedling section, and I had basil and I had um, kale and broccoli and artichokes. So I these a, are all just little baby seeds. Baby seedlings, yeah. and, and not even the bulk ones with eight in them, just like one in each because every they've been very picked over. So I get to the end of the queue and I'm, I'm ready and there's only one person to serve you and if you don't have anywhere to put it, you've got to put it on the ground. And he just looked at me, he said, three per person. I went, oh, oh, three little tubs per person. I said, I wasn't hoarding. I never would buy less than six. And he said, I know, I'm really sorry. It was like Sophie's Choice. Oh, Broccoli or basil? Mm. I, I went with uh, broad beans, broccoli and basil. Well, More I, of that I, I later. I hope that they're grateful to be in your garden. Caro, footy, as we know, is not on at the moment, but gosh, there seems to be a lot of things happening around AFL land. Give us the update. Well, the AFL have secured a $600 million loan from NAB and ANZ. As we speak, they're holding their cards pretty close to their chest, not filling the clubs in on everything about how they plan how they plan to save the clubs, basically. 80% of the player uh, club workforce has been laid off. Some are getting holiday pay. Some are getting leave without or with pay. Some, most, no assistant coaches are getting paid. Oh, maybe Collingwood and Richmond are paying theirs two days a week or giving them some special leave, mm. special leave and stuff like that. Coaches are looking for jobs on building sites, labouring sites. As we know at football, at least for the next five years, will not look the same. $3 million to be stripped off the um, football department spending caps. Lists probably reduced from about 44 to 35 next year, 30 the following year. Maybe the draft age lifted from 18 to 19. Everyone in footy, including the media, taking massive pay cuts. I think the players have done bloody well in the deal they struck. And despite people calling it a media beat-up, I think there was genuine angst between the clubs, the AFL and the players who held firm for about a week and made some really... Silly comments, yes. Really silly comments. But look, in the end, there's only one thing we want to know. When will it be back? And I am confident that footy will be back this year. But I reckon if they have to, this 153-game journey will go until – it could still be – we could still have footy on Australia Day. Wow. Of this season. Interesting. Maybe that could, that could be the grand final day and we get rid of the whole Australia Day notion of invasion. Caro, you might say the one thing you're, you're most concerned about is when is footy back. But I want to know who is in charge of the spending decisions with that government loan. Is it the commission itself or is it the AFL executive? Who's the checks and balances here? Oh, Gillan McLaughlin's running the show. Uh, Richard Goyder, also chairman of Qantas, the AFL chairman, has not been seen. I don't really understand why. Very different, very, very different from the old Mike Fitzpatrick model or the Ron Evans model. It's quite extraordinary how um, 
Gillan McLaughlin has been the front man and that what you see is what you get. He's got 80 different deals floating around in his head and he's got he's basically got this four-man wartime committee to um to advise and they're made up of commissioners and club presidents. My theory about the club presidents he's chosen and it's Eddie Maguire, Jeff Kennett, Peter Gordon, you're seeing a familiar theme. I here. am seeing a really familiar theme. Tell me Peggy's on it. No, loudmouth, big opinions, very strong self-esteem, and also Andrew Pridham, the chairman of the Sydney Swans. I reckon he, they've, they've taken all the big names into the tent to keep them on side. That would be my view, and I think it's a really smart move by Gillian McLaughlin. So that's footy at the moment. No footy tipping comps, and people are looking at replays and... For clubs like ours, and we're used to, you know, punctuating our weeks with our footy team playing, it, it's been tough, but people are doing it tougher. Uh, Caro, I'm really distressed to hear that, but... Um, <coughs> sorry, we're all coughing now. I don't know why. It's just, it's, isn't it funny when you talk... It's about, all right. It's, it's like all the, right. It's like the old days when, when the kids would talk about there's a knits plague at school. All and of a sudden, you start scratching your head. It's like yawning's addictive. I just would like to see a woman in that group. Oh look, you know Gillen's running it. That's it. He's a, in, you know, he's a crisis management kind of guy. He's a deal making kind of guy, and you can't find anyone in footy who isn't saying that he's doing a good job. So um, I think the game is in big trouble, but in good hands and faring a lot better than the NRL. Um, yeah, I definitely agree with that. Now you have a crush. Look, it is footy related. It is footy related, Corrie. Don't get cross. It's actually Don't a man. say Richmond Footy Club. It's a man with more Hawthorne connections, in fact, than um, anywhere else. He's the coach of the Brisbane Lions. His name is Chris Fagan. And like every coach, he's taken a bit of a pay cut. I, I gather Chris Fagan will earn probably 50% of the wage he would have earned this year. Um, and he's, so he's taken a much bigger pay cut than a lot of other coaches. I think um, the old Clarko took a while to come to the party on the old pay cut situation too, Corrie, but he's done the right thing now just while we're on coaches. But anyway, what Chris Fagan has done is he's been in touch with his Brisbane Football Club board members and one of them has just put a lot of money and opened up a, a mine in far north Queensland and he's secured jobs for his assistant coaches in the mines on a fly-in, fly-out basis. Brisbane are doing it for all of, offering it to a lot of their staff. And this is one of the ways that coaches are trying to not only keep in touch with every player, the high-maintenance ones and the low-maintenance ones, and the ones who are really worried about staying fit, you know, taking drugs, going off the rails, whatever, but he's, he's found jobs for all of his assistants, or mm. trying to, and mm. I just think that is so impressive. Honourable. He's an impressive man. There have been some pretty honourable leaders, I must say, in the business and in this case sporting community I've heard of lots of interesting stories of bosses who have just flown under the radar haven't waited for the approval of the board in some instances and just looked after their mob so uh, well done to all of you and that's just that's just one example coaches are doing so much to try and keep their teams together now Corrie BSF and you're going to tell us about this beautiful book that is sitting in front of you. Drumroll Felliston so as I said earlier Sammy Tamimi uh was born in Palestine and Yotam Ottolenghi was born in Jerusalem. Oh, they were both born in Jerusalem but either side. So one was on the Palestinian side and Yotam Ottolenghi on the Jewish side. They met in a working as uh, young chefs at a hotel in Tel Aviv 
and they migrated to London where they started up the Ottolenghi chain. As I said earlier, they were life partners, but they had a, a, an amicable split and Sammy and uh, Yotam still do projects together um, and... In fact, I think Sammy might still be working for working with Yotam Ottolenghi. Not sure of that. I'll have to check it out. But they did do together that beautiful book about four years ago, Caro, called Jerusalem, which I'm looking at behind you in the cookbook section. Yep, great book. Loved it. So what um, Sammy, Sammy says in this book that after he did Jerusalem, a number of people asked him about the Palestinian style of cooking. Many of us are not so aware of this as we perhaps are with Jewish cooking. And for Australians... I reckon it's just a no-brainer, this style of cooking, because not only do the Palestinians eat in a similar way that we do, lots of dishes, we prefer the casual, a lot of outdoor eating, we all love salads, but our produce is very similar, the stuff that we use. So all the obvious lemon, olive oil, olives, lamb, chicken, but also now Australians are starting to use things like za'atar and pomegranate and um, pomegranates and all sorts of interesting things I've got that you. Two you're... pomegranates on my tree. Oh, that's very clever of you to do that. <laughs> I'm but so it's just—it's just, it's just um, for me. This book feels incredibly familiar, and so for everybody who has loved over the years cooking out of the original Ottolenghi, plenty, plenty more Jerusalem, and more recently, of course, Simple. This book, Falliston, which is fifty dollars, by Sammy Tamimi and Tara Wigley, who is, as I said before, a British food writer is really beautiful. But one of the things I love most about it, Carol, apart from these fantastic recipes, and I'll tell you about a few of them in a sec, is the photography by Jenny Zarens. I don't know whether Jenny is a Brit or whether she's a Palestinian. But like Jerusalem, this book captures the essence, the beauty and the exotic nature of Palestine in a way that just makes you want to go there. Not that we can travel at the moment, but we can in our minds and with this book on our lap. So... I'll give you just a couple of little teasers, you and Miss Jane. Turnip mash with greens, caramelised onions and feta. Oh, I loathe turnips. They're Do so you? Ta- well, they're so tasteless. Oh, gosh, I love a turnip. Beetroot and feta galette with za'atar and honey. I think I just chose oh, that because I, I love saying I love saying the word za'atar. Now you're talking. Prawn and tomato stew with coriander sauce. Oh, so as you talking. can tell, there's nothing Yum. overly exotic or Un- unusual for us. This, we might say Palestinian food, but this is very comfortable for us. This phyllo triangles with cream cheese, pistachio and rose is just beautiful. But look at this one. This is going to be my Easter surprise for somebody. Not that I can have anybody over. <laughs> Labna cheesecake with roasted apricots, honey and cardamom. Isn't that just stunning? It looks amazing, but you won't eat that. No, but I'm... Well, <laughs> you well, I would if I was having eight for lunch on Good Friday, but <laughs> I think probably it'll just be Pete and me, not even Bearsy these days. So, look, I might just get as fat as fat, but that's the book, Falliston. It's in all good bookstores. It arrived yesterday, and I cannot recommend it more highly. The only thing that makes me a bit angry about this book is that the cover, as beautiful as it is in green and white, it is a cloth it is a linen cover and so of course this will be completely trashed in the kitchen but you know what the first Nothing time you better drop than oil, a trash cookbook I you know, know but it's you a can't, good one you can't get the oil off so that disappoints me just a little bit caro on to screen and i just wanted us to we've only touched on this well you recommended it a couple of weeks ago and oh, i'm I now actually, i was actually waiting for thanks i was <laughs> well no i'm about thought... to i'm about to do the big bouquet but it's this it's this show on Netflix called Jury Backslash Haji. 
G I R I H A J I. And this duty shame. Duty slash shame. This is one of the finest series I have seen for eons. It is so smart. I keep feeling like I am watching that brilliant film that I saw on New Year's Day with Anna from the Op Shop, The Gentleman. Bit of the gentleman in it. There's Bit that of gentleman when they when they move for, when the action moves and it does go back and forth in time and between Japan and London. But when we get to the East End London Albanian mafia mob, <laughs> I feel like I'm in that territory. I know, and Will Sharp, who plays the young gay guy, the young prostitute, isn't he a brilliant is, actor? Oh, he's what he's, a brilliant. And Kelly McDonald, who of course was in that. Oh, that brilliant. Was she in Sh- Shetland, or am I just imagining that? Uh, she was in um, what was the original Downton Abbey that was made by um, the, you know, oh, it was written by Julian Fellows. It was made by that famous American oh, director. Oh, uh, the film. Um, yes. It'll yes, come to us. Yes, She was will. in that. She was one of the downstairs maids in that and was absolutely brilliant in it. But Takahiro Hira as the main character, the it's cop, so who was sent fantastic. over to London to find his the brother he thought was dead and Yuzuki Kobazuka, is that how you pronounce his well, name? Well, my Japanese as isn't the brother. Very good, as you know, I can only speak in slow sentences oh, Japanese, look, but that sounds like it. Gosford Park, 2001, that was the film it. you were thinking of. She was in Gosford Kelly Park. McDonald. She's brilliant. I mean, she's got a backstory. They've all got backstories. Do you want to just tell our potties just a brief synopsis of what it's about? Well, I, I think that's, that's all we need to do. Um, there, there is a murder. The, the film opens with the most unbelievable killing scene and there is violence in this film, in this show, but um, then we start to learn about the life of this Japanese detective and he has a rogue brother and you just find out how rogue as the series goes on. And you go back and forth in time. So yep. what you have is this lovely friendship of these two brothers, but the younger one, played by Yusuke Kobuzaka, Zuka, um, is he is Yuto the younger brother, and it's just a setup. He's just he's just he's got a rebellious this cop. He's rebe- got a rebellious daughter. Yeah, I wouldn't say he's a bad egg, but he just goes off the rails, doesn't he? The younger brother. It's so sad to see. Yes, so he goes off the rails. He gets mixed up mixed up with the wrong crowd. They think he's dead. Um, the main character, the cop, lives uh, Kenzo lives yes, in an Kenzo. apartment with his aging parents and his wife and his rebellious daughter, who he adores. Um, there's troubles in the marriage, there's troubles with the parents. Long and short, he's sent to London. He finds out his brother might still be alive and he's sent to London. I just think we can leave it there. Mm. It is absolutely – I'm, I'm I've sort of weaning myself. I've only, I've only watched five episodes. Well, it's pretty intense. There are you eight know, in total. Most of these Netflix things you can binge often. You can do – Three or four. I'm trying not to be into in anything at the moment. I can't, well, I can't with this because it is really uh, absorbing. Corey, long cold winter. Oh. Never had so much meaning. <laughs> oh, I, I, I thank you for that tip. I just think Jury Haji on Netflix is one of the finest productions I have seen in a long time. Now, on to food. Not according to Lewis Martin, the Channel 7 boss, who said to me, and hello, Kel, I hope you're still listening. Never will I take a recommendation from you ever again. And what was with the interpretive dance scene? Oh, Lewis, well, I no wonder think... Channel 7's in trouble oh, if you've got taste oh, like sorry, that. That's, <laughs> please, that's a bit of a mean thing to say. He just doesn't agree. It's, the, it's such a fine... I, one of the things I love about it, Cara, is the photography and the editing. I just think that's so smart and clever. Anyway, on to your recipe. Okay, well, I've got two, two quick recipes. 
This is not my way of having another go at you or Clem having another go at you about Alison Roman oh and nothing Lordy, fancy. Oh, my Lordy, will that child of yours <laughs> let that bone go? But seriously, she made this roast chicken the other night and we all just, oh, my God, Corrie, it was absolutely beautiful. Slow-roasted chicken, slow-roasted oregano chicken with buttered tomatoes. Look, there's hardly any ingredients in this. It says kosher salt, but any salt, really, freshly ground pepper, olive oil, fennel seeds, which you crush with a mortar and pestle, a bunch of fresh oregano, vine-ripened tomatoes, and thank you, Miss Jane, who's given you a lovely bunch of those today, two whole heads of garlic, half crosswise, Yes. red wine vinegar and butter. And Corrie, the secret of this recipe is that what you do is you cook the chicken in the oven... For two and a half hours. Now, you might say that's overcooked chicken. I would say that is overcooked chicken. Not when your oven's on 150 or 160. I think it's 160. And you will never taste anything quite so beautiful. It is absolutely gorgeous. I'm going to also mention a recipe from my sister Moggs, who sent this to me from Sydney last week. And it's a salmon pasta recipe, Corrie, which I know is your absolute favourite. And it basically involves salmon and capers. It's called lemon and garlic pasta with salmon. And Miss Jane is going to put all these recipes up on the show notes. But um, all you need for the salmon and capers recipe is really, oh, I'm just trying to think. It's rigatoni, but we used whatever pasta we had, a short pasta, garlic, virgin olive oil, basil leaves, salt and pepper, about three salmon fillets if you're serving it for four people, lemon juice, capers and parmesan cheese. Absolutely delicious. Oh, Cara, that sounds absolutely delicious. Look, it's very funny about the Alison Roman me saying on the podcast that I thought her books were slightly (laughs) overrated. Our dear friend Mandy, who's been on the podcast, Mandy from Hardy Grant, was just shocked, shocked that I could say that. Of course, my daughter Francesca has cooked almost every recipe out of nothing fancy and dining in the two books. She is really – I'm now cooking out of her, so – what can I say except, Clem, you were right. Well, that, that slow-roasted chicken, I swear, is it's delicious. Maybe I don't know. And she seemed to do it so quickly too, so it really was nothing fancy. Caro, I'm really grumpy and I know that you get a bit tired of me talking about Donald Trump, but I just want you to listen to this for one minute. You said it on Sean Hannity's Fox News. You said that you might. Why don't you people act? Let me ask you. You said some states. Why don't you act in a little more positive? It's always trying to get you. My question to you is. Get you, get you. And you know what? That's why nobody trusts the media anymore. My That's question why people, is, how is that going to impact? Excuse me, you didn't hear me. That's why you used to work for the Times and now you work for somebody else. Look, let me tell you something. Be nice. Don't Mr. be President, threatening. My question Don't is... be threatening. Be nice. Caro, that was President Donald Trump at a media conference being asked a very sensible question by an eminent and respected Washington correspondent, Jamiki Ashidor. I don't know about you, but when I hear a journalist who is asking for facts and in a situation as serious as this coronavirus issue is in America and President Trump sends her up and is so appallingly rude I I just I'm I can't speak I just cannot speak the journalists in America are doing a fantastic job in fact do you think journalism the American journalists are the best in the world I often have this conversation with people better than the Brits oh too, I think they are. T- too broad-based a question. Um, look, clearly his true colours, if they hadn't already been shown, have been shown during this crisis. He's been appalling. 
there's some brilliant British journalists. There was, I mean, I, yeah, I, I tend to read. This sounds so bad, but I mainly read sports writing. The best American board uh, sports writing, the best British sports writing. You know, starting from you know Mencken onwards, and you know Red Smith. It's it's just um they're 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 both absolutely well. They have a very brilliant. fine culture of exceptional journalism, and uh, what's happening right now at the moment, their coverage of the coronavirus and what is not being done by the Trump administration is just brilliant. So there's a bit of a bouquet in that as well. Now on to six quick questions, Caro. Me to you. In these challenging hunting and gathering times. What has been your most awkward retail moment? Well, apart from being seedling shamed at Bunnings. How dare they? We're standing in the queue outside the butcher and finally, finally getting my number called out because all I wanted was two pieces of steak for me and Brendan's dinner and everyone else in the butcher was seemed to be buying for a village of 20. I mean, I'm sorry, but it just drives me nuts. As they said, number 57, because there was no 56... 56, who'd been to the supermarket, been to the greengrocer, probably been and had her hair done. No, she couldn't have done that. Oh, I'm really sorry. Here I am now and ran in. Oh! And... So not even to the back of the queue. Well, I mean, in fairness, she had her ticket, but she was smart enough to go and do another 20 minutes of shopping. Well, I can't... Probably smart, actually. So the awkward retail moment was me having to suck it up and be nice about it. I did almost lose my wick when she also went in and spent about $175. What was your happiest retail moment? It was delivering books today to a lovely, lovely customer of ours who is probably nudging 80, I would say. And I arrived at their house and they were in the garden tending to their roses and their joy as I passed the book parcel over the fence and they were up for a chat, which was great because they said they were isolating and they hadn't spoken to anybody normal in days, quote unquote. If that, if that, if I am not, if I am normal, then I'm honoured. But we had a great chat and as I got back into my car, I thought these are some of the simple pleasures, the old fashioned things that are coming back into being through this terrible tragedy so that was my retail high i got something in my letterbox yesterday support cycle i'm your neighbor and i'd like to help and it's about people stuck at home on their own needing a chat i just hope no one's taking advantage of people i mean there have been a few bad stories there have been a few bad stories oh dear people people pretending to fix your roof and asking for your money um caro what was scott morrison's worst moment from that press conference last week apart from the appalling ties that he is currently wearing who is dressing that man honestly Look, I know, and I know it's an appearance thing, but PR is important in these times, I reckon. I, I just thought the opening the press conference and saying shopping centres were closed and then changing his mind halfway through. I know the bar A was a bit of a silly comment. I don't need to hear my Prime Minister telling me about waxing salons. All of those things were weird. It did seem a bit odd that 10 people could do a workout session in a park but couldn't stand in a park. That's all gone now anyway. That was about three stages ago. But um, it, to just get something completely wrong was just... Um, that was that was a bit disappointing. Now, Corey, I'm meant to ask you what you're grumpy about this week because you, I was supposed to have robbed you of your grumpy, but in fact, I also am grumpy, so I'm going to be grumpy okay, now. Okay, you can do one. Stuart Robert, another, and look, this is not a political point scoring thing, but he's a member for government services, and he said the other day that um, it's been such a terrible time because 
good, something like good and decent people are having to now queue up for welfare payments. Now, what does that, what does that say about all the other... Who've been doing it for very oh, good reasons over the years? Stuart. What an appalling man. Shame, cool. shame. I, I, I want to ask myself a question then, seeing as you just asked yourself a question. I wanted to ask myself <laughs> I'm what just, I'm what just following the, your running. What, I know, I got a bit mixed up. It was late at night and I did have a glass of Pinot last night. Um, media highlights, Karen. My media highlight of the week was some... Um, I, as you know, I follow Trini, as as in the old Trini and Susanna, Trini Woodall. She has a wonderful Instagram account. She tells you how to dress and put your makeup on. And it's really, really handy and fabulous. Anyway, she was doing... Cold comfort <laughs> in these times. Well, she was doing something the other day. She does a thing called Twinning Friday with Chloe. And the two of them always dress in the same dresses. And Chloe is a gorgeous, I think she's Italian, possibly Spanish, good size 14, really sexy, beautiful girl. And Trini, as we know, is about 5 foot 11 and a former model. So they try, they wear the same dresses, they show them in different ways and it's so inspiring because we can all join in the fun and we think, well, my body's like this or that or whatever. Anyway, they were doing Twinning Friday via Skype or something and it was such a lovely show. They said, we're both at home, nothing to do, why don't we just dress up in a pretty Friday night dress? They wore the same dress from Zara. It was really lovely. So I liked it and left a message, you know, keep up the good work or something. What do you know about 10 minutes later? Love Hearts from Trini. Oh, Corey Perkin, Love Hearts from Trini. Oh, that's so what a I was so excited. I mean, you know how Anna and I and Julie are so obsessed by Trini. To actually have Love Hearts where she's acknowledged my maybe it wasn't. She seriously did have not a lot to do. No, no, that's a bit mean. Well we're we're taking a leaf out of her book when we have our party on Friday, aren't we? Yes, we dress up. We're dressing up. For our house party. I've got a dress that I had for all these six years that I now And I'm bringing the mystery guest too. Not gonna be able to go to Carol, Alec Baldwin turned sixty two this week. What's your favourite Alec Baldwin moment? moment in terms of tv those saturday night live impersonations of donald trump even though i love 30 rock in terms of podcasts his interview with barbara streisand just love you know how much i love honey sit down let me make you some chicken soup (laughs) god they're slooping through that soup i tell you what but i just um, love he's in the kitchen with her and gets her talking about all sorts of wonderful stuff everybody must do that podcast it was great and listen to um, one but i think but the thing that happened to Alec Baldwin was at some point he stopped taking himself seriously and started to be a really funny person and send himself up. And that performance as the ex-husband to Meryl Streep in It's Complicated is just, that is a great film. That's a real I Christmas, Christmas Eve is. film. It Love it. Love it. And Corrie, what's the weirdest pet sympathy gesture you've heard? Well, Mandy, who I mentioned before from Hardy Grant, my friend Mandy, her cat Barnaby died um, very sadly, I think Marty was about 17 years oh, old. I'm sorry, I wouldn't have asked a question in such a sort of, you know, offhand way. I'm sorry about that, Mandy. No, that, well, anyway, look, she's recovering and repairing, but swear she'll never um, have another kitten. Anyway, uh, everybody knows that Mandy and Mandy adores Barnaby, and a friend of hers sent her a pet sympathy card with a cat's whisker taped onto the card. Oh. <laughs> Oh, that's just off. What was it from their cat? You're not meant to cut their whiskers anyway, are you? <laughs> well, it, Isn't that like doesn't part it of beg their... a million questions? When Mandy told me, I said, this was a nice gesture. Isn't that just... Anyway, I suppose it was thoughtful and there was a little bit of a poem about the importance of <laughs> it. Uh, I remember when our, when our dear friend Sal, who uh, might get a mention in, the geo, in our special GLT breakout podcast this week, when her mum Betty died... Um, I made her, a, I ordered her a beautiful chicken pie and I put a bee on it 
And the family <laughs> found it a little bit odd that they were tucking into <laughs> a pie with bee with bees. Nut. Anyway, look, it, I thought it was sort of a nice thing to do, but actually, and then what happened was her dog at the time, I think, might have seen it at the front door before she did and got stuck into it. Anyway, it, as, as a sympathy gesture, it was an utter debacle. <laughs> I think sympathy gestures have to be thought about long and hard, just yes. giving you the tip. Cara, lovely to see you in person. There hasn't been a lot of that happening the last few days. In fact, this is my one outing for the week, so I'm overexcited. And I'll see you at the house party on Friday night. If, if nobody knows what we're talking about, download the app. It's so much fun. Everybody, yes, but be careful because there have been some robberies through house party too. I think. Yeah, oh, I've heard, really? I've heard bad house party stories. <laughs> we need to. We need to talk about that. We'll just keep it amongst friends Wait that you friends you, that you trust. See my frock. Um, now we are doing a breakout episode, as Caro mentioned on our GLT. So make sure you stay in tune for that. That'll drop in a couple of days. But in the meantime, we thank you for your feedback and comments and reviews of what we do. And please remember to give us five stars if you like what we do, uh, because that helps other people to find us. You can get in touch with us in a heap of ways. Don't Shoot the Messenger has its own Facebook page. We're on Instagram at Don't Shoot Pod. And we also tweet. I don't know really who does the tweeting. Maybe it's Miss Jane. But anyway, we apparently we do. And you can email us, feedback at don'tshootpod.com.au. We would love you to keep buying books from my bookshop because that helps and watch Kara on television for as long as she's there talking about footy. And thank you, Miss Jane, for wonderful, wonderful panelling and producing again of our show. Kara, what do we say? And particularly the North Melbourne people, and those people like Tim Watson, don't shoot the messenger. <laughs> <laughs>